Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of MC Fireside Chats. The intro you just saw is brand new. It's probably the best part of the show. So if you want to turn everything off now, you can. Uh, but I put that together over the weekend. It took me a couple hours. I'm, I'm kind of happy with it, but we'll see. We needed something to start the show, right? Do a little bit of a buffer and, and stuff like that. So it's beautiful. Uh, welcome, welcome to another episode here. Uh, we're super excited. Uh, we're going to talk about some innovative experiences today. Um, I'm going to be joined by Kara. Hopefully, she's having a little bit of Wi-Fi issues this morning. Uh, but we're going to try to get her on. And in the meantime, kind of I'll take the mantle and make it not as good as if she was here. But I'll do my best. So um, we got a couple guests today. We're going to talk about innovative experiences. We have. Uh, Quentin and Kayo. Am I pronouncing that right, Quentin? In Kayo. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Uh, I won't make the mistake again. So Quentin and Kayo from uh, Camp Collective, who uh, we're going to talk to a little bit. On, I'm going to have him give a brief bio here in a second. We've got Tessa McCracken from Northgate, who's the chief marketing officer. Correct. Is that right? There's a lot of you marketing people, so I, I'm worried I'm going to mix up the title, but uh, you do a great job, so that's a good thing. So and then we've got Mr. Ryan Kratz, who joined us a couple weeks ago from, uh, from Petoskey KOA in Michigan, uh, part of Sun Communities, uh, really putting some money into that property up there. And so we wanted to just have him on as kind of a, an insight into the manager, guest experience, those kinds of things. Uh, he's got a lot of value to bring to the table. So uh, let's go around. We're going to start with Quentin. He's only got limited time with us this morning. So Quentin, can you just give us a brief introduction to what you hope Camp Collective will be? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. I appreciate it. And nice meeting you, Tessa and Ryan. Uh, Camp Collective is a uh, um, elevated RV and glamping destination with a focus on the RV side of the experience. It is a new brand that our consulting company, Q Hospitality Management, is bringing to the table and hopefully uh, taking our 30 years or my 30 years of hospitality experience and my team's 100 years or so and looking at it from a different angle, from a service perspective, from an amenity perspective, from a tech forward perspective. So Camp Collective will be elevated RV and glamping destinations that if you think about, um, uh, I just, Ace Hotels and WeWork, and you blend those two together, Ace Hotels being hip, trendy, fun, cool vibe, good services, good food and beverage, and WeWork being obviously work-focused and strong Wi-Fi and what have you, if you blend those two together, that's essentially what Camp Collective will be. It will be a place where there is no tech shaming. If you want to run your company by the fire or do a podcast by the fire, we love that and we welcome that. We'll have workspaces for you as well. If you want to relax, how, you can unlax. How close can you get to the fire if you want to do a podcast? I, I feel like at some point that would be dangerous. But. Well, that's that's completely up to you. Obviously, um, depends uh, depends how uh, how big your fire is. But uh, I'm, I'm intentionally trying to throw you off, Quinn, because I know that you have really good things. I'm just trying to make it a little bit difficult on you, so you don't have to give us the the pitch that we've all like for my business, right? I've worked on this thing that I know is, is perfect. And so I want to make sure that you're on your toes a little bit, Quentin. So uh, you, th you threw me because I haven't thought about guys with a computer by the fire and how close they can get. So good one. You know what? Um, we'll have you work in our work pods instead. That way you don't uh, burn up your computer. I'm going to need a new job because this podcast is terrible. So you know what? We would be honored if you would hang out in our parks and um, whatever. Do crazy stuff by the fire or not. Whatever you Ryan, want to do, line it. Ryan will come up there. Ryan will come up there and do it. Will you, will you go, Ryan? I mean, you're not. You don't really do anything around your park, right? That's funny. You're saying that. I'm watching as the KOA uh, inspection team just rolled in, and yeah, I got nothing going today. Just Memorial Day coming out this time. All right. Well, you got time. Oh. He doesn't open his first park yet, <laughs> so just plan it. Yeah. A little holiday coming up. But yeah, feel free, guys. Uh, Tessa and Ryan are both here. T Tessa, just give us a brief info intro of who you are, and then we're kind of. I want to explore Quentin a little bit more, but I want you guys to feel free to jump in and ask Quentin questions too. Got it. Yeah. So I, I am Tessa McCracken. I'm the CEO of Northgate Resort. Um, I've had various roles in operations and marketing over the years with the company, and we're about to launch our new brand, Camp Pimpo. All right. Very Congratulations. Good. And then Ryan, go ahead. I, I know I kind of told a little bit about you, but just a brief intro of you. Um, I'm Ryan. I am. Uh, I started with Sun when they acquired our property a few years back, and then actually left Sun when they back. They call it a boomerang. Um, and I am now running the park that I used to run prior to Sun purchasing it. Um, and we are um, going through a 59 site RV expansion and 20 new VRs and. 
um, it's, it's fun to watch them expand the park and make it, uh, make it way bigger and way better, uh, in one year instead of spreading it off over 10 years or something like that. So. I know you showed us some pictures, uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago and I, I just, Quentin, I muted you for a second cause I think we got an echo on your line. I'm not sure if you've got two speakers on or something over there, but. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No. Um, no okay. so I can weird. go, I'll go earphone list if you want. And, uh, it might just be me, so I don't know. But anyway, um, I, yeah, we can hear you still. So yeah, I mean, I think it's All okay. Right. So. But uh, yeah, go ahead, Quentin. Tell us, the, you know, obviously there's a lot of people that are getting into this industry, right? We know this. Uh, we know that, especially due to COVID, there are tons of people who are developing new parks. They're looking to purchase land. They're looking to elevate the experience. They're looking to change it and modify it and do all kinds of things, right? Uh, money and cash is cheap. Uh, lots of people uh, can get financing very easily. So uh, why is Camp Collective different than those people? Or are they, or are they the same? Um, you know, not knowing specifically who you're talking about, and certainly there's unbelievable. Well, I want to give you the freedom to compare yourself to whoever you want. That's why I wasn't specific. Fair enough. Um, with, without, without sounding too cocky, um, or, or too confident, um, I'd say we don't compare to anyone. Okay. Yeah. Um, we don't compare to anyone from the perspective of a collection, a group of unique, consistent destination experiences with more of a hospitality focus with some of the aspects of hospitality that you don't often find in uh, RV destinations. Now, Sun, I know, is huge and they have, you know, a million donation, a million donation, million locations. Um, you know, Jellystone has their locations, KOA has their locations, but those are all very different focuses. And what they do, they do really well. Um, I think that we will bring something different, um, which I'm sure other people are doing as well. But I like to think that we will be the first to do it in multiple locations in order to create this wonderful collection around the country as you travel or, you know, through national parks and through amazing wine country destinations you can stay at two or three of our locations on, on your two week trip, if you will, because of that consistent experience, consistent amenity, consistent landscaping, tech forward, and some cool things that maybe aren't, I think, aren't being done at other RV destinations. Can you give us some specifics of that? And just to be clear, like I'm not, I'm being hard on you, but not because we don't believe in you, Quentin, because I, I mean, no. I do, I, I think you're gonna be very successful in this business. I'm just trying to flesh out what it's actually gonna be like, because it's hard, you don't have any locations yet, right? Correct. Correct. We're not live yet. We're in the process of sourcing funding and investors. Uh, we're also looking for uh, park partners who either want to lease or uh, allow us to secure a management contract in order to uh, get our concept live quicker. We have management experience from managing hotels, so we're going to transport that onto managing RV destinations by putting our brand on there and rebranding it to the extent that works or, of course, uh, a lease. So, no. No locations yet, but the goal is uh, hopefully two this year and, um, you know, three to five the following year um, and each subsequent year. Um, you know, it, it, I just think, you know, again, <laughs> it's my, maybe my cockiness or my confidence from being in the hospitality industry for so long and being in the independent hotel side of the hospitality industry where you could do what you wanted to think outside the box and create an experience and, and create amazing amenities and say what you want and wear what you want. So that's what I haven't seen, not that it doesn't exist, but that's what I haven't seen in other RV destinations that are more elevated. And so that's really the difference that I hope we are bringing um, so that people have this consistent, fun, unique, memorable experience in a really cool destination with great food and beverage. And you, sorry, you asked no. me a couple of things. Yeah, a couple, yeah, a couple of things that you think really kind of will, that the RE industry maybe isn't doing yet, that you will. Well, I don't want to say that the industry isn't doing it. I would say that it's not consistently across many locations. Okay. I'm sure there are, you know, one-offs all around the country doing all this, and we are definitely not reinventing the wheel. I'll be the first to say I think we're putting um, better wheels on the RV, but we're not reinventing it for sure. So um, I don't consider um, this an, a, a disruptive 
um, experience, but I consider it more unique um, okay. and service focused. So we will provide uh, room service to your RV sites and to your glamping units. So our mix is probably 90% RV, 10% glamping. We will provide uh, room service. You can order from an app or you can order from our website. However, we make that work. We'll deliver right to your RV destination, which I know some are doing, but not a lot of them are doing. So we think that's unique. Um, we will have a special morning food and beverage program in our curated camp store. We'll have an evening wine and beer program. Uh, we will have work pods um, specifically dedicated to the digital nomad and those on the road doing Zoom calls and running companies doing podcasts or schooling. So you can use these specific pods around the property to, to hold your conference call or what have you. And they're just for work. So you can get out of your unit or out of your RV type of thing and, and work in those okay. areas. Um, so a couple little things like that without giving away all the secret sauce are, are kind of our focus on allowing you to choose how to disconnect. You don't have to disconnect to disconnect. You can stay plugged in and still be disconnected. So what do you think, Tessa, with all this? Obviously, you work for Northgate. They've done a lot of innovation already. Uh, we're going to talk about Canfinfo in a couple of minutes. But what do you? what's your take on what Quentin's saying? Is there room for this kind of innovation in the industry? Yeah, certainly. And I think that there are, there's room just in general for more highly amenitized campgrounds. You know, it's really hard to get a reservation this summer as it is. So I definitely think there's room for this concept. So what are some things that, let's start with Northgate before we talk about Camp Vimpo, right? What are some things that Northgate is doing uh, to kind of elevate the experience that you've maybe already deployed at parks that we just maybe don't know about at a scale? Yeah, so this year our, um, Greta Bostonbrook on our team coined it the year of excellence. So we've really been taking what we're already doing and focusing on improving it. So for example, with our events, like how can we really drive that theming home and give campers the best experience possible? Or, you know, you're already out in nature. How can we make sure that our park looks the best it possibly can look? And we're really focusing on taking what we have and just making sure it's perfect this year. Okay. Have you learned, has anything with those plans been or come out of COVID and that experience and what you've learned from that or what guests have maybe changed in what they're looking for in the outside and the outdoors? Yeah, certainly a bit. I think we've taken more digital. You know, we used to do a ton of printed materials at check-in. Guests don't need that now. People are really used to using QR codes and we're just not printing as much. So certainly some things have came out of COVID, but I think more has just come out of the rapid growth we've seen over the past few years. You know, we've been a adding and adding parks. And we just decide we really need to take a step back, even though we did pretty much double our portfolio this year, um, sit back and take a look at what we have and really make sure that it's, it's perfect and how we want it. So what are some things that you guys see? Like, obviously it's the year of excellence. You touched on it a, a little bit with Northgate. Um, what are some areas that, I mean, maybe you would push into if, if you had your choice at parks? Push, push into- um, like, yeah, like push the industry to innovate, right? What oh, are some I, things that you see are low-hanging fruits that could be easily corrected by maybe even independent park owners? Yeah, I think that the park model cabins, for example, everyone kind of has the same type of cabin right now. And this year we brought on a design team into our office and we're really trying to make our cabins stand out going forward to make sure that, you know, you can have a park model, but it's something special that you can't see the exact same thing at every campground. So I don't Who, know if you were manufacturer for that. Is that Skyline? What? Who's who's manufacturing? Are you guys going through Skyline like like Sun does? Oh, we have a few manufacturers actually that are doing them. We're doing some stick belt. We're using Cabco. We have a, a few. Sweet. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, I like Ryan, that. Ryan was on. Like, do you want to pull up the pictures again, Ryan, just to show Tessa? I don't know if she caught the show, but uh, a couple weeks ago, Ryan and I were, were talking about on the show uh, his He's a KOA, obviously, and they have those kind of standard KOA cabins that you kind of expect everywhere, which are nice, uh, but how he's kind of leveling up that experience uh, with some of the things that, that Sun's putting into that park. So uh, we can show those pictures in a second if he's got them up again. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I agree I, with you. I 100% agree. I think, yeah, I man, that's super cool to think because, yeah, you're right. Like every, even the buildings we're putting in now, they're super cookie cutter and like, yep, this is what it is. And you get three models and, you know, we're working with Skyline directly with Sun. I think Sun must, they have a contract with them, but you know, you get three models, you want the loft unit or the not loft unit. And you're like, oh man, yeah. I just wish there was something cooler. And you like try and design the outside where you get six colors. Like, ah, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, 
yeah, I can I can share I can share what we just put in. So um, actually, they just finished. I, I just got more photos, better photos of them. Yeah, I don't um, think you showed us the insides at all last. Yeah, time. I have. I now have interior photos too, and so like a lot of the artwork isn't there yet. Uh, but like this is this is not you don't see these at KOA, but you know a lot of the Sun properties. This is what they're going to is these these tiny houses you know i don't even i don't would not consider them a cabin at all um i would consider it a tiny house um you know with super high-end furniture that's made from recycled water bottles or something it's super you know it's very cool you know high-end fire pits and giant deluxe patio spaces these cabins sleep eight so you know you're looking to to be able to have enough mm -hmm. sleep for eight people um but like interiors on them i mean it you lose kind of that cabin, that camping feel like people want to go, you know, especially with the KOA and, and Yogi Bears and stuff like that. Like they want that experience where like we're going camping and walk into this and it's like, that's nicer than my house. Um, <laughs> soft closed drawers and, you know, butcher blocks and, you know, fancy toasters and you're like, okay, well, and people love it. You know, we've, we've only had them open for a couple of weeks now, but um, the response has been really good. Um, you know, this is what people want. Um, you know, and we're definitely getting, I don't know if you're seeing it as much as we are, but like, we're getting a different camper, like the camper that we used to got, get before COVID. That's not the camper anymore. Uh, you know, we're, we're the city people coming out. They want the camping experience and this is just enough rustic for them. So. <laughs> city well, Ryan, I can remember. I ask you? I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, ahead, Quinn. Yeah, go ahead. Ryan, can I ask you what those uh, go for? Uh, yeah, you want the per night cost or? Yeah, well, yeah, what yeah, your average rate is or what your, yeah. Um, the rate around two, I think we're a little low still because um, we're in Petoskey, which is a pretty um, fancy area of Michigan. Um, we're right around 280 a night um, for all, all the people in it. But during our holidays, we're about 310, 320. And they're booked solid. Like they were booked solid before I could put them. So. So even in the off season, January, February in Michigan, which is we're closed. So it's uh, this is only a six month park. Okay. Okay. Yeah, they're they're beautiful looking. You're right. I mean, I hate to say it, but it reminds me of being back in the hotel business and some yep. really nice, you know, small hotel suites or junior suites or something. They're really they're really decked out. It almost blurs the line between glamping and, and yeah uh, hotel room. Yeah, my my sales pitch for it is you know because everyone's like wow two eighty it's like yeah it's like a fancy hotel room, but you're not sharing the hallway, um, which, which that communicates well with like, yeah, you, everyone has that story of you're sleeping in your fancy hotel room and some kid is running up and down with the ice bucket, slamming it against the wall. Like, yeah, it's, it's your own space. Like you got your own, your own everything on these. So. And eight people too. You'll never get a room for eight people for two. Exactly. Yeah. So you bring up a good point, though, Ryan, about how you have to not spin it, but explain it sometimes to an audience that's used to paying a little bit less than 280 a night uh, at campgrounds. How let's Tessa, for example, obviously you uh, have a lot of knowledge about marketing. How are you pitching some of these new elevated experiences to people? Well, with that cabin cost, Ryan, that includes all access to almost everything at your park. Right. Sure. I mean, if you, if you were going to take your family to the water park for a day, you know, you would be paying that rate and not getting to stay. So I think it's a really easy sell and a good value if you look at it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, we, and they, you know, and Sun is putting in pickleball courts and tennis courts and yeah. Uh, it's a resort. Yeah. yeah it, I mean, yeah, it, it went from a super high end KOA to like where, I mean, it's fun. The inspection team is here. I kind of jokingly said like the KOA inspection team's here. And it's like, how are you going to inspect this? Like it's, <laughs> you know, we, we put in seven million dollars like yeah we had a perfect score last year so is there a better than perfect score like this will be good so. yeah that's a good point i mean it's a totally different thing so uh, is tessa is northgate doing something similar um at their resorts with kind yeah. of tiny homes and stuff like that or yeah we're trying to be really intentional with the finishes that we pick for the cabins um you know before we had this design team marketing was the closest to design. So they would come to me and be like, which light do you want? Which door do you want? And I don't know what I'm doing. So now we have a team of people that do know what they're doing, uh, intentionally picking. And um, especially at this new brand, we're going to be focusing on adding things like artwork that you might not necessarily see at all of our cabins. Um, and I think that that will be a really nice touch. 
Awesome. So tell us uh, what's Camp Info. Yeah, so Camp Info is a new kind of camping experience. I like to say it's rooted in nostalgia, but it's all about fun. So we're really going to try to combine local charm, whimsy, and kitschy design touches to give campers a vacation that looks and feels different. That's it? We're only going to get the elevator pitch? Oh, <laughs> I can keep going. <laughs> we have yeah. an hour to fill, Tessa. Like, we have time here. So, Do you want me to start talking about our first location and kind of how we got to this point? Sure. I mean, I'd love to know how you came up with a name, right? Because when I first yeah. heard the name, I was like, what are they thinking? Well, we want, so we want to on this for fun. Maybe it stands for something. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, a big element of this brand is kind of quirky, hidden messages and surprise and delight. So we kind of wanted an off the wall name that got people thinking and wondering. So uh, okay. I, I stand the name. I think that it, it will be great. Um, but yeah, so our, our first location is going to be in New Braunfels. And that's going to open on July 1st. And we mm -hmm. actually have a Jellystone one mile down the road. So our Jellystone Hill Country is, is literally one mile down the road, which is kind of why there was this great piece of property. We knew we wanted to put a campground there, but it wasn't going to be a Jellystone. So that's kind of what caused us to push ourselves to come up with this new brand. Yeah, New Braunfels is, is a huge area. There's a lot of resorts down there, right? It's near that uh, Schlitterbahn, is that right? Right there? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff in the area. I mean, Texas Hill Country is great. It's one of my favorite places. And this property is right on the river. So great for tubing and you know fishing and all of that. So how does Camp Finfo, I don't want to say best of the Jellystone experience, but how does Camp Finfo, obviously other than the mascot, right? That's different. But how is Camp Finfo going to change that experience? Why is somebody, let's say somebody who's looking for a resort experience, all the amenities that Jellystone normally provides, if they're coming to New Braunfels, why are they coming to Finfo instead of the Jellystone? Yeah, and Jellystone really is great. We love Jellystones. We have 14, obviously that works for us, but I think it's just a little bit it, different. So mm -hmm. this Jellystone really caters to kids up to 12. We're going to have more adventure experiences at this location where you, you know, it might appeal to families that also have older kids or even people that don't have kids. Um, okay. If you wanna, we've been trying to get, do more event spaces at our properties too. And I think that sometimes we get feedback that people are a little hesitant to have their, you know, corporate retreat at a Jellystone park. Not sure if the name kind of scares people away. So we're hoping to have something that is still family friendly, still really fun, but might, um, you know, broaden the audience a bit. So is okay. it gonna be super high end finishes and, uh, is that kind of, because that's kind of the difference with like KOA and um, like everyone thinks of KOA is like the kids family park and, and so your next park is going to be more like the adults like wine and beer on the back patio and stuff like that. Is that what you're kind of going for? Yeah, certainly it's going to be higher end, but I wouldn't say we're going to be as high end as collective retreats or like an auto camp. We're still very fun. You feel cozy there. You don't feel like you can't touch anything. Um, gotcha. Approachable. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Approachable fun. Your website reminds me outside of weights. It's, it's kind of cool. It reminds me of camping when I was a kid. It's just the first image reminds me of going with my dad camping or something back then kind of thing. So that's, 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 that's great. Cool. Yeah, that's yeah, I think that's probably one of the highest compliments a marketing person can get. So yeah, that's awesome. Wow. Huh? That's cool. Oh, yeah, I love it. Can't so what is the, like if, if, if everything goes well with Camp Finfo, with this new location, obviously you're going to be packed. There's no question about that, especially with the interest that we've had in the outdoors. If everything goes well, where is Camp Finfo in five, 10 years? We definitely have plans to add more locations um, in, in 2022. Uh, and so mm -hmm. I would hope to keep adding a few more locations every year. I don't know exactly where those would be right now. We have a couple, I'm not ready to say where yet, but we have a couple that are slotted to be camp post. Okay. And Tessa, is it RV focused with some glamping or is it glamping focused with RV? Oh yeah, I should say. So we are going to have um, glamping options than your traditional kind of cabins that you'd see um, and then RV sites too. So I would say equally focused, but more okay. focused on glamping than I would say our, our jelly stones are. Okay. So it's an interesting question though. You bring up glamping. We talked about the differences in the cabins with Ryan's property and how you're kind of limited to the paint touches and the finishes and all those kinds of things. As we move forward and, and more people are interested in glamping, more people 
see the variety of accommodations that can come as a result of this. Airbnb, for example, right? I'm in a 120-year-old cabin. Theoretically, you could put an old cabin like this and it could be glamping. Uh, anything could be glamping. But with yurts and teepees and all those kinds of things, where is where is glamping going in your mind from a Northgate, from a KOA, from a Camp Collective perspective? Ladies first. Oh, whoever, um, whoever wants. I, <laughs> I would say that glamping to me, this is my unique perspective, is getting less about the gimmick. I could be wrong, and more about just a quality experience. Like you said, we have more people coming from hotels and they expect that hotel level quality <clears throat> of service. And so, um, you know, I don't think we're planning to do like the craziest thing that, that our attention grabbing and really just focus on giving a great experience to the guests that's expecting something closer to a hotel than a rustic cabin. I think I would agree with that. Cause I think, I think now obviously there are outliers, there are exceptions, right? But, but having been in this industry for, I don't know, 10, 12 years, whatever, however long I've been here, I'm super old now. Um, but I, I've seen people call things glamping that are tents without bathrooms that are, and, and it's not that it isn't glamping, but I've seen people call it those things for a long time. And I think you're right. There has been a shift in the mindset of now there's these hotel guests, there's more people interested in the outdoors. They're becoming more higher end, more luxurious experiences. Look what KOA is doing with the Camp Terramore, right? In Maine, I think. And so I think there's a lot of room for innovation and to really define what glamping is more so than it already has been. I agree. I kind of feel like it's got um, a little bit watered down or a little bit kind of spread out. It's almost like the boutique hotel. You know, you had Kimpton Hotels and then, you know, Intercontinental bought Kimpton and now all of a sudden they have, you know, boutique Oh, hotels. Kimpton was fantastic. Like I would go out of my way like 100 miles to stay at a Kimpton. Well, I, absolutely. I mean, have you guys ever heard of this brand? Like I, I don't want to like to divert too much, but yeah. Kimpton, Kimpton. Like, had this amazing loyalty program where I could stay like seven times in different cities and get two free nights and all kinds of like luxury wine tasting experiences and every hotel was different. And so, yep. yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I, yeah, and, and, and so at Kimpton was, Kim, yes, I she killed for sure. Um, and that was their way to get into the independent hotel industry. They bought a group and boom, now we're at independent hotels. That watered it down. And I think there's somewhat, and I'm probably a little bit guilty of that as well. I think that there's somewhat a watering down of what glamorous camping or glamping um, was originally meant to um, remind people of or, or be, because it can be anything from tents without bathrooms, like you said, to fancy cabins, that, you know, like hotel suites to, you know, we're looking maybe doing shipping containers, or we're an advisor to a cool company called Tree Walkers, which is doing these tented tree houses that will become, you know, a, a franchise and will, you know, be around the U.S., which are really cool looking. It's just another version of, you know, of, of what you can stay in and, and, and spend the night in. At the end of the day, I think I agree with Tessa. It doesn't matter if it's a tent or a yurt or a shipping container or whatever it is. It's really about the experience kind of experience are you giving? What are you creating? What are they going to take away? Where are they going to go, oh my God, I have to go back, not as it was a tent or a yurt or a teepee, because <clears throat> it was a tent, a yurt, a teepee, and the amenities were amazing, and the service was incredible, and the location was gorgeous, and, and, and. And I think it's really about the experience of whatever you use at the various different levels, from the Motel 6 level glamping to the Pussies level glamping, um, and everything in so for me, it's experience. The unit you stay in helps that experience. It's really not today just about the unit. Yeah, you're break you're breaking up just a little bit, Quentin. So we caught most of what you said, but maybe just oh, I'm a little bit closer to the mic. I don't know. I just want to make sure we're hearing you. I know you have to go, Quentin. I know you're only here with us for the first half hour. So let me ask you this question before you leave. Is there a point in time coming from your hotel background experience? Is there a point in time where the Marriott's and the IHGs and the Hiltons and the Hyatt's get involved in glamping and figure out a way to scale it to the point where it becomes cost effective for a franchise model like that? Um, unfortunately, I, I think yes. The answer is yes. Um, I think that so they will. I. So. <laughs> I, I think they will. And I think it'll be very unfortunate the day they, they do. I just hate to say it. I think they'll get into it because it's a uh, popular segment of hospitality. I think they'll get into it instead of starting it in order to get 
move faster and they'll pick up a collective retreat. So pick up an under campus, you know, they'll, they'll pick up whatever the KOA jelly's going to And, you know, any, any one of those that, that has mass quantity, um, just to be in it as opposed to starting. So I do see that like some hotel industries have gotten into the Airbnb model and into um, the short-term rental business. I see them getting into the glamping as well, you know, perhaps in the next couple of years, maybe more progressive ones, the independent hotel focused ones. Okay. I hope that's the case. Well, I think it's going to happen too. I think it's almost inevitable, right? Uh, and, yes. and please, if you have to go, feel free to leave us anytime. I really appreciate you being here. I know I it's nine thirty. Okay. So, but yeah, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, and thank you for joining us. I really appreciate your insight. I hope you're really successful with Camp Collective. I think there's plenty of room for innovation here, and so I think a lot of people are going to see some success and drive some changes here. So, really appreciate you joining us. Well, and I appreciate that as well, Brian. Thank you, Tessa. It was wonderful to meet you, uh, Ryan. Uh, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you asking me to join and uh, onward and upward with Camp Collective. Thank you, guys. See ya. Ryan, you're unusually quiet. you got to start being more talkative on these shows. So, uh, so I have a nine-month-old, and she chooses that Mondays are the days she does not want to sleep. So I'm uh, lacking a little bit of uh, sleep today. So. And when I can't fault you on this show, so it limits my talking points. What do you guys? What do you guys feel about what Quentin said? Is this inevitable that Marriott and the IHDs are going to come in here? Because I think it is. I think at some point they're going to figure out how to scale glamping, whether it's vertically or spread out or somehow. And then I, I think that I think right now is the golden age for these independent owners, for the smaller groups, for even some of the larger ones like Northgate to really cement themselves in the mind of the consumer before this happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it is kind of inevitable. If you think about it, it's probably a little bit daunting, especially if they want to do the RV sites. That's more complicated than a hotel. That whole aspect is there's definitely a learning curve to that. But, um, you know, they'd be silly kind of not to. It's really booming, you know. Yeah, yeah, I don't I mean, I, it's interesting to me, like I, I think somebody told me once that IHG and maybe you guys don't have never heard this. But somebody told me IHG used to own campgrounds. Like long, long time ago, there used to be holiday in campgrounds or something like that. And then they got out of it because they realized how hard it was to manage and all those kinds of things that we all know, right? It's a struggle. Uh, it's different than hotels. It's not that it can't be done. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I think right now as an independent park owner or a Northgate or a KOA or whatever, I think you have an opportunity to, to cement your brand, to cement the experience, to cement that stuff in the mind of the consumer to where if Marriott comes in, then all of a sudden it's not Marriott's industry. It's Marriott plus Northgate, plus Sun, plus KOA, plus whatever. I think Marriott's just one other brand. But I think that's gonna require some innovation, not just from the Northgates and the KOAs and the LSIs. I think it's gonna require innovation from some of the park owners. And so um, one of the things that interests me, like we were talking about glamping and how widespread it's been and how it's evolved. Do you think this was intentional from a park owner standpoint to, to provide, to take advantage of that glamping word and to use it as easily as they could? Uh, or do you think that it was just kind of a casualty of, here's what I think is gonna do well? Yeah, see, I, I, I know that the, the mom makes the decision where you're gonna go. And when you put the word glamping in it, like, yeah, of course we're gonna go there. And that's, that's an easy sales pitch. And I know what KOA is doing with the, the brand specific, like the resort, the, the holiday and i know sun's kind of trying to do the same thing where they're they're building the brand so that if you know holiday in and, and all this they do they do come out with k-ways like you're going to want to stay at this brand because because of these items like k-away does it uh, like if you're a holiday like you're expected to do kids events and activities like okay if you have kids like you should go to a k-away because you know that there's going to be events there if they're a journey park like yeah, you're just you're just strolling through on your way to somewhere else. Or if you're a resort, like you expect five star amenities, and you know Sun Sun's kind of doing the similar thing where they have signature properties. Um, so like Kava, when I was there, you know that part is it sounds like more of like what you guys are doing, Tessa, at, at this new place where it was very 
very, very fancy. And, you know, you get the, you get the Justin Bieber's, you get the, the people that like, Oh wow. Like this is a very nice place. Um, you know, wait, wait, do you actually want the Justin Bieber's? Is that a thing that you try to attract? Um, you know, it's cool publicity. If you can actually talk about it, you can't, normally you can't talk about it until after it's done. So it doesn't help you at all, but okay. um, it's kind of cool for the staff to like, yeah, we had, you know, to be a park that would even interest him or um, like, you know, his bodyguards were awesome and, and they're the coolest people ever. And like we had dinner and uh, you know, that's a story that I'll be able to tell 10 years from now. Like, man, yeah, I, I, you know, he stayed there. I, I escorted him in. I opened up our lap pool and let them swim late at night. Um, like, it's kind of a cool publicity if you can actually post it. Unfortunately, there's a $500,000 fine if you post it while he's there. So um, you got to be super cautious. And, you know, there's a lot of lawyers involved. But, um, but like that, if you're like, if you can do that, like if Justin Bieber, that's what, like, if I could have gotten him to stay in a cabin, like we would have named that cabin, the Justin Bieber cabin, and you could have sold it for $700 a night. Like it wouldn't have mattered. Like, you yeah, we have a, we actually do marketing for a resort in Kansas that supposedly I, I think it ended up not being true, but I thought it was for several years. They have a Matthew McConaughey cabin or whatever, and I'm and sure they a debate about whether they actually stayed there or not. But yeah, yeah, they were marketing at that for a long time, and it got a lot of interest from result of it. But the reason I ask is because of that, right? Like we have a lot of independent park owners I know, especially that I work with, who not it's not a celebrity thing. It's a I don't really want the hotel guests because they don't treat my cabin right and they don't clean up mm -hmm. after themselves and those kinds of things. And so I was just curious. Yeah, the problem is their money spends just as good as everybody else's. And that's, that's oh, I agree. You yeah. gotta you gotta suck it up and like, okay, well how do we make them have you know what how do we how do we get that guest and how do we teach them about camping? Because yeah, like I would say ninety percent of the guests didn't even a lot of them they come and they don't have sewer hoses it's the first time they've rented an rv or bought an rv and they couldn't even get sewer hoses and they're like our toilet's full and you're like D I, yeah you just gotta open the valve and they're like no what valve like what are you talking about i'm like are you even connected in the sewer like have you and they they don't know they don't know any of that stuff this is yeah. just like the, i saw it on tv once and i'm in like this is fun um you know it's kind of scary when you're driving down the expressway and there's a 40-foot coach with a Denali behind it. You're like, they were driving a minivan last Thursday, so we're doomed. But it's cool. People are getting into a whole new industry. It's awesome. Well, and I think you're right. A lot of it has to do with education, right? And so how, how do we, because I don't think that the majority of these people who are coming from the hotel world are necessarily intent on destroying your cabins. I don't mm -hmm. think they mean to leave a mess behind them if they didn't know that that was an acceptable practice. So how do we how do we educate those people? We just lost Ryan, so now I'm going to ask you, Tess. Um, how do how do we how does Northgate, for example, tackle that from an education? Yeah, I think they're not trying to be a difficult guest. They probably just don't know. Like walking through yeah. someone's campsite, that's a no no. But they might not even realize that that how rude that is. So you know, we've done some kind of blogs on our site and tried to softly incorporate that messaging into our camp rules to encourage the hotel guests or you know the RV renters to be mindful of the camping culture and, and keep it a nice space for, for everyone, the RVers included. So one last question on glamping here, and then I wanna shift a little bit to amenities, because I feel like that's, a, if we're talking about innovative experiences, right? Um, but with what, what kind of role with glamping do you see? Like obviously there's the Suns and the Northgates and the KOAs and the LSIs that we referenced that are gonna keep kind of a consistent experience across whatever their brand is. Uh, Camp Vivo is going to have the same experience at its different locations, those kinds of things. And so for people who follow those brands, who follow Camp Collective, who follow those kinds of things, they're going to have the same experience, relatively the same property to property. For the people who aren't so brand loyal, though, is there a role that, like, is, is Airbnb continue to be the driving force with some of these unique accommodations, even at campgrounds, that it is now for people to, to find exactly what they're looking for from a choice of 40 different yurts and teepees and colors and cabins and all those kinds of things? Or how does, how do you see that working? Nobody, everybody jump in all at once, please. You're the marketing guru yeah. here. Huh? I think Airbnb has made a sharp pivot, you know, in the past year, you can see that they've changed their website and, you know, they're going to try to stay, people are in the outdoor space to stay but I don't think you can easily rent an RV site on Airbnb right now. And, you know, there was a huge boom in people buying RVs. So for those 
RV owners, you know, they're going to be more likely to turn to like a camp spot or something like that to find their next trip. And if they want to go out in a cabin the next time, you know, they can go to camp spot and get that as well. So I don't know that Airbnb is going to catch up that quickly with, with the RV component. Well, I don't think they are either. I'm just talking specifically about glamping and the unique accommodations, right? Because oh. there are advantages for people who go to the Expedias who are price searching. Uh, and so I think that there's an advantage to Airbnb or whatever the website is, hip camp, camp spot, whatever, to aggregate those in a way where they can see like 10 different cabins and, oh, that one's red and red's my favorite color and I want to stay there, right? Something like that. Yeah, if you book a... I mean, I guess some people do list their inventory on Airbnb at these private campgrounds, but you know, I think that campground culture isn't something people, glampers necessarily know they want, but like it when they see it, you know, there's an experience when you're at a campground of, you know, the neighbors you drive around on your golf cart. I just think it's really nice. Like when I go to our campgrounds, I like to sit on the porch, wave to people, say hi, talk to people. And you just don't get that at a hotel or at an Airbnb. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And so I, I'm on the fence really. Because obviously there's the argument that CampSpot makes, for example, right, uh, about OTAs and the high fees, and I agree with all of that. And, and then the flip side is, is the marketing and more reach and, and how, and so on. Yeah, I don't think I'm on one side or the other yet. Where do you fall, Ryan? I don't, so we're going to be in this realm next year with, we're adding 20 new VRs. And so it's like, okay, yeah, we're, like our market up here has been so solid that we've never needed you know, help with selling our VRs or unique accommodations. And this will be the first time we're like, okay, we're adding 20 at one time. It's like, I'm used to, you know, smaller companies where you add one and okay, yep, that one's sold. Okay, add another one, that one. And so this is kind of new territory for me. Um, the nice thing that we have is we have both KOA's marketing and Sun's marketing going after, you know, with a lot of photos and face, you know, Facebook is mind boggling how much positive or negative attention you can get off of a Facebook post and like, man, like I can watch our phone calls go crazy. And, um, there's not a good way right now for Airbnb to communicate with K2. Um, you know, there's some workarounds where you can like, okay, this kind of links together and they can make a reservation, but it's still up to the staff member to put it in. Um, you know, we just, it's a hard pivot to like, okay, the IT guys, now you got to figure out how to make all these websites talk to our software and figure that out. Um, you know, and you miss one and that's, that's going to be a bad weekend for you. Um, I don't know. I, I do think that the positive, if people, you know, people aren't Googling like beautiful campgrounds to go stay in a cabin, they're looking for a house. And the first thing that pops up is Airbnb most of the time, unless they know that they want a campground and you kind of almost have to, like, I think the marketing, the digital marketing is, is everything. Like if you can't, if you don't have a good marketing firm and like, that's why I'm I'm stoked to meet you, Tess, because I'm like, man, like there are so many cool ideas out there that, um, you know, from you know, putting the manager out and like, okay, this is like, let me talk like like campfire talks, and like this is what so that people know like this is, this is what camping is like. This is where I want to take my family, or um, you know, maybe you don't want families, maybe you want the the old, like you need to show that your park is quiet and your Wi-Fi is good, and because otherwise, yeah, you're you're doomed and that Airbnb is so convenient. You can get a house on a Lake Michigan right now for, you know, $1,900 a month and no one even blinks. So I don't feel like that answered any of the questions, but that's all my thoughts. I'll blurt it out into whatever. So sorry, Brian. No, I mean, I think it's valuable insight and information. And I think that's kind of what we're driving after, right? What does this dynamic look like in the future? Because innovative experiences require innovative solutions and innovative marketing and it all ties together, right? So I think we got about 15 minutes left. Let's switch to amenities real quick. So what are, I mean, I know we touched on it briefly with Camp Info, but let's start there. What are some of the, the ways that Camp Info is changing that amenity experience or what people can, can see and, and do when they're there? Yeah, so we're really not gonna do a copy and paste of the Jellystones, although some of the amenities still might overlap. You know, water amenities are king. Everyone wants a pool. So we'll continue to add things like that. But with these locations, we're really gonna focus more on the natural or adventure amenities. So, you know, I mentioned tubing down the river. Um, we are adding a huge zip line, for example. So really doing some of those more adventure attractions. And okay. also even with our, Oops, sorry. our activity lineup is going to be different. 
like I mentioned, Jelly Stone stops at 12. So doing some more planned activities and workshops that can appeal to a broader age range and even adults. I think we have seen that on our surveys about our Jelly Stones is, you know, this is great for my kids, but there's nothing for me to do. So finding things that they can do together or do without their kids. Yeah, one of the coolest parks I think I was ever at when because we when we started Insider Brooks a long time ago before I was doing marketing for whatever I was how many campgrounds I'm doing it now. Um, we were doing videos for like we started doing videos of hotels and stuff like that, but we pivoted kind of to KOAs and we went to this Lake Placid KOA before it was a I think it's a corporate park now uh, in upstate New York, and they had all kinds of like really cool rope courses and like tire like you see the army people doing and boot in uh, in camp and all that kind of stuff and. And it's just some of those things that really stood out that kind of made you remember that place at the time, that that was different and it was innovative and it was not your typical playground or your swing set or your whatever. So, um, yeah, zip lining, like, yeah. Were you going across the river, Tessa, or where are you going? Somewhere we're not exciting? Gonna go, we're not going to be able to go across the river, but you're going to have river views. So um, it'll be really cool. The, the most interesting zipline I ever saw was at a place called Gatorland in Florida. You could zipline across the alligator pits with alligators underneath you. So I never did it because it was after my time that I was down there, but we did a video of Gatorland. And so it was interesting stuff. But yeah, ziplining, uh, like rock climbing walls, things like that, rope courses, any of that planned or? Um, those things, not specifically at this location. I think that those are on the table for future destinations. Does it? When you're looking at amenities park by park, or, or uh, obviously, I don't know, is Camp Finpo going to be a destination or are you going to have, because obviously you're in New Braunfels, right, with Schlitterbahn there and stuff like that. And there's going to be a huge interest in people who are coming to New Braunfels who will experience everything that Camp Finpo has, but also will go to Schlitterbahn for a bulk of their day. And so not speaking specifically from this location standpoint, but in general, how does those, how does that information, how does location drive what amenities you put in a park? Oh, it's huge. And you know, we really want the campground to be the destination, but we acknowledge that you're traveling to see the entry. You know, you are going to a new place to see things outside of that campground as well. So we want you to be able to be able to spend your whole time at the campground if you want, but acknowledge that things in the local area are, are probably why you're coming there as well. And we really want to infuse that local um, aspect into our campgrounds, especially with Camp Info, it's going to be hugely locally inspired much more than we've ever done with Jellystone from the food to the attractions to our store. You know, we're doing something entirely different with our stores and it's, it's just going to be really cool. Are you being intentionally vague? So it's all secret. I'm not letting know it yet. Oh, I don't need to be. I think just, you know, with our Jellystones, you know, they give you the merchandise that you put in there for the most okay. spot. Our first time having to design a merchandise line or, you know, it's a, we just were less intentional about going out and finding local vendors and New Braunfels has a huge arts community, for example. So what local products can we bring into our store and, um, you know, really everything reflecting the local area. What do you, or what do you feel, Ryan? I mean, obviously you you talked about pickleball courts, right? Shuffleboard, stuff like that. If you're, you're doing up at your property. So how does, how does that shape what you guys are deciding to add? Um, so, I actually want to talk more about our store. I'm really interested in so like local. Go ahead. So local. So you guys are. Do you know what the square footage is of that store? Is it? I mean, is it a big store? You guys putting a lot of focus on getting people inside the store. Oh, I don't know the square footage, but um, we're doing a lot more planning with it, and we have a really cool mural that's kind of um, mimics the campground that we did inside of it. We've never done like something like that, so it's going to be, cool. yeah. It's really wow. cool. I got the pictures of it the other day. I, I don't have them that I can share with you, but um, it's just going to look a lot different than our Jellystone stores. Because I would say Jellystone and KOAs seem very similar where like, yeah, everybody wants the yellow KOA stuff. And and kind of where I've taken our store this year is like, I, I like everyone can get KOA stuff. Like it's what it is. But if you can get local vent, like we have a, a local winery and we have a local um, syrup company and like, which is cool and it's super fun. It's very time consuming because once you get it, then it's like, oh man, this is so cool. And it kind of pushes people like I wanna I wanna build it more like a community where it's like people are coming here and and we're showcasing all these other properties so that you know when we need help, like um like they, they're like, Yeah, oh yeah, you should stay at the KOA. Like that place is awesome and they sell our product. Um 
Are you selling Petoskey stones? I have to ask. Of course we are. Of course. And you know what? They have gone and people can literally charge whatever they want now because they're so like no, the guy who did the kits was like 106 and he died out. And so we're building our own kits now, but like that's the most popular we do. A, we actually added a Petoskey stone polishing class. Um, so like, uh, when, when the real activities director runs it, you know, she really tells the facts about, you know, yeah, this is how the stones get here. And, and when Ryan Kratz runs it, it is just a, it's like a, there's an Indian oh man, he drops it out of the sky and we catch it. And then, and then here we are polishing it, but it is the most, I bet you we have 40 people in the class every Saturday. And you're like, I mean, that's what people want. They love those activities. And, and whatever we can put in the store to like kind of push to the local, like I think that's that's huge. Like I am excited to see what your guys' store looks like. That'll be cool. Yeah, that sounds so much cooler than just your standard gem mining. Which standard gem mining is fun, but you know yep. what you're describing is something. But nine hundred six parks do gem mining. Yep. yep. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know what are we gonna what are we gonna do that stands out? You know, like pickleball pickleball courts and basketball courts. Like everybody's got them. I mean, that's cool. It's fun for the guests like, oh yeah, if we want to do that, you know, we really wanted to focus, um, you know, staffing in Northern Michigan is really hard and a lot of parts across the country, it's hard. And so like, how do we put in amenities that don't require a staff member um, just in case like, yeah, we can't get the staff for this. Um, so like we have a cafe that I still don't have staff for because no one, you know, it's hard to get workers right now, but um, you know, this, Tossy class, like, yeah, we'll just try it and see what happens. And, and man, it's turned into something really, really cool. So, yeah, Brian, I, don't I don't know if that answered your question at all either. No, but. I mean, I, I think it definitely did. I, like, I, I think that that's something we've been trying to push with our clients for a while. I mean, you look at in the industry, there's other people in the industry who have been doing it too, right? So, you, I mean, you look at start at the basic level with sitemaps with Southeast and AGS who were going around selling advertising to, to different people in the area and still do. Uh, that's one way to build a relationship with with local businesses in your area. Um, but I think that there's been a, from a marketing standpoint, maybe Tessa would agree with me or not, I think there's obviously a huge advantage to, to meeting and greeting and to talking and to forming partnerships and to putting things in your store if that's the way it is and putting local artists who are, have paintings in your cabins and all those kinds of things because it's it's free marketing, but it's also building relationships and more people are talking about you and more word of mouth and all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's selling tickets to the local concerts or whatever it may be, packaging bundles or, um, you know, we have a client who sells Noah's Ark water park passes and Wisconsin Dells, um, whatever it is, right? Uh, I think that only benefits you. Would you agree, Tessa? Or? Yeah, for sure. So one of our jelly stones is in Luray, Virginia. So, you know, what do you know about Luray? Luray Caverns. So, of course, we want to partner mm -hmm. with them and, and try to sell that whole experience to them. I'm trying to remember, like, I know I've been to Luray. There's a super cool, like, I remember going to a super cool, like, parade shop down there. Like, they did, they designed the presidential floats or something. American floats on parade or something. It was really cool. It was right near Luray or somewhere, like, in that area of Virginia. But anyway, that's what I remember when you talk about that area of Virginia. They designed, like, the inauguration floats for the presidential inaugurations for, like, the last 40 or 50 years. And you can go see them all in one place. And it's super cool. But anyway. I love that you think of that and not Shenandoah or the caverns. I know. I mean, I, so I traveled for like three or four years. Right? So I went, like, we were all up on the Blue Ridge Parkway and the, what, what is the, the Dragon's Tail? Have you ever been on that? Yes. That road's awful. It's amazing. I took a Jeep there too and we tried to go fast. It was not, apparently the Jeep doesn't hug corners like it should. Yeah, you'd or think a on a Jeep would do it, but no. You know, yeah. we used to have this guy that worked on a marketing firm before it got huge, and he would come out here and do, like, drone videos and really cool, like, video shots, which I thought was super awesome. But then he got big, and now he runs a Facebook video thing every Monday. So yeah, you should you should really get back into that. That stuff was – that's great marketing. Uh, love to get the old Brian special back up here. I take, mean – Take some drone shots of the new place. I feel like drones are a commodity now. They've gotten smart enough. Like I flew mine into a tree in Arizona, so a couple of years ago. But yeah, I mean, anything you can do to showcase your property, you got you guys know this. Uh, and whether that's building relationships or taking photos or drone videos or showing people the experience, it's all about connecting that. Uh, I'm used to camping being one way. It's evolving. It's changing. There's people who are pushing and innovating the experiences. How do I share that with my guests? Because they don't know that it's there and, and, and to do it on all your touch points too. 
right? To do it on YouTube, to do it on Instagram, to do it on Facebook, to do it on your Google listings, to do it everywhere because you never know where they're going to look. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the things I always tell people who are uh, trying to drive a, you know, a certain subset of guests to their park, right? Is you, the guest who who decides not to stay with you, you don't know you're missing. They're not driving by you on the highway saying, "Hey, I'm going to the park down the street. See you later." You don't know. And so uh, it's very important to manage all of those touch points, I feel like, and show your best side of yourself. Tessa, do you have influencers that you guys send to all your parks that are are doing like shots and live photos and stuff? So we don't have um, one influencer that we have going to all of them. We tend to work with more individual influencers for each property more regionally. So how do you let's let's just talk about that for two seconds, right? Uh, how do you how do you find influencers if you're a, if you're a campground? I mean, I know from a marketing standpoint, you know Tessa, but how do I how do I find those people? How do I vet them? How do I make sure that if I'm wanted to talk about my glamping and my innovative experiences, and obviously the more people that are talking about it, the better, right? There are reviews of your park that are arguably micro influencers. But how do I attract these people who are going to spread the word about the innovative experiences I'm offering? Yeah, my, my philosophy is really that bigger is not always better with the influencer and you need to find those um, influencers that have the the good engagement and, you know, the right kind of followers that match who you're trying to go after and, and working more on a regional scale, um, you know, checking to make sure that their followers are in the area that you're looking to target or within driving distance. You know, we know most people come from two to three hours to go camping. So, you know, you don't want someone that has all their followers in London, even if they have a ton of them. It doesn't really help. So what are you expecting from an influencer when they come to your park? Like, what are some of the things that you would say are, I need you to do this if you want this? Yeah, so we really like, obviously we do the whole, you know, you need to post about us. And, you know, sometimes we'll get a blog post out. We, we really have an emphasis photos and we give most of our influencers a shot list that they um, provide to us because it is hard to get those lifestyle photos. And you know, sometimes they'll give us video more and more now too with reels and TikTok. So that we're kind of moving more that direction. Well, that's some of the, and I'm sure Ryan, you've had influencers at your park too, but that's part of the reason too that we pivoted away from doing the drones and photography because it came more of, not a, not a commodity, but there are so many people now, you can pick up a smartphone, take a good picture. There are influencers who have been doing YouTube now for 10, 15 years who can pick up a camera and do a really nice video for you. And yes, you have to vet them and yes, they're rare. Um, but I think it's a whole lot easier to do that than it was when I was, what, 2013, 14, when I was at Petoskey? Mm -hmm. So what have you done with influencers at your park, Ryan? We've got about two minutes here to wrap up. Um, we did a lot at Kava, so we actually, um, it, it's so easy, it feels like, to go out and take a photo of a cabin with nobody in it, and like, okay, this is what it is, and um, but it, it makes a huge difference when, like, influence come, when they come with their own team of people like set up and do the wine, you know, they're drinking wine around the table. Like that feels so much more inviting to the guest who's looking online. Like, Oh yeah, I'm going to sit there and drink the same bottle like that. That look at that. They're having a ball um, versus the empty, the empty scenes everywhere. And it, it's so hard to get the right people there because you know, you, especially nowadays, like you have to make sure you have, um, the right people in the shot and, um, you know, do you have them wearing masks? Do you not have them wearing masks? Um, you know, it's so, it's as a campground manager, like that, that was never my expertise. So I always want to get people who are involved and, and I always, you know, we'll comp them if they have enough friends or, um, you know, it makes it worth it for us. But it, it was always hard to, you know, get marketing involved and like, okay, what do you guys want? What do you want to see here? And you know, I want to push more towards activity. So I want the I want a team that's coming in that's going to be more activity based and has kids instead of, you know, the two the older couple who you know they don't like kids and they just want to show you how the wine places. But um, yeah, that's hard. That's a that's a hard. That's I'm actually trying to. I think Sun should really start getting more. They have a few now, but man, those people can. It makes a huge difference when you get a reel of really good photos and you're like. I can use these for the next three years. This will be awesome. So, yeah, because some of them don't age. I mean, I think you're 100 percent right. And 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 to to your point about structuring what the content of the photos is, well, one thing that stuck with me, like we work, we still do uh, manage reviews for this tiny little hotel in Daytona Beach, uh, very small. Like it's actually probably a motel. Um, but one of the things he said to me it was one of our first clients ever way back in 2009, 2010, was that 
you know, when you're going around, we were taking photos for him at the time. You know, I, I like me personally, I, this is what he was saying. Uh, I don't like to see people in photos because I want to imagine myself in those photos. And so I think it's very different depending on each guest. Right. And so I think where my, where I sit and maybe Tessa disagrees and I mean, maybe I'm not saying this right or wrong, but where I sit is I want the people photos all over my website and I want the empty photos where people are looking at what are the amenities of the cabin and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, all right, well, we're almost at it. We are out of time. So do you guys want to wrap it up? Any final sayings about Camp Finfo or anything like that that we should know or look forward to? No, I will be uh, Camp Finfo uh, going to be opening July 1st, and we'll have a lot more photos coming out here over the next month or so as we, we finalize things. So stay tuned. I think it's going to be really cool. I'd love to come back and talk about it once I can say more. <laughs> Once you okay, so once it opens to the public and nothing's a secret anymore. Okay, gotcha. All right, well, we'll have you back on. And everything. What's your what's the website for Camp? Is it just campinfo.com? Yep, campinfo.com. Is that why you chose the name because nobody else had the domain? Or it was a very cheap domain, not gonna lie. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much, Tessa. I really appreciate your time for coming on, spending some time with us today. Ryan, as, as always, uh, appreciate you coming back on and sharing some stuff about the KOA. And uh, we'll see you guys. Uh, I, think, I think we're going to take next week off, but we'll see you guys uh, soon. So take care. Have a good day.